The following program is presented by the National Committee on United States-China Relations, www.ncuscr.org. So I'm very honored to be addressing the committee, and thank you very much, Jan, and, and everybody, and Margot, for, for having me today, uh, following up some uh, very impressive speakers. I've been uh, watching some of the previous uh, uh, speakers in the, in the series. Um, and th this is also part of a, a, some kind of book tour, which I'm doing in, in, in different cities, in Houston, um, um, Dallas, Brussels, and, and uh, also on Harvard campus in, in uh, early uh, November. The, the book is primarily about, um, about investments, uh, about um, Chinese in investment uh, in Europe. But uh, I've also got a, a rather uh, hopefully lengthy paper uh, coming out very soon with my colleague Jonathan Pollack of, of, of the Brookings Institution, which is entitled, uh, China's Global Rise, Can the EU and the US Develop a Coordinated Policy? Sorry. So, uh, so I'm going to focus more on, on um, perhaps I should switch that, that off. Maybe there's two, two microphones on. Um, so the, the book is an overview of, of uh, both uh, Sino-European uh, uh, relations on, on a macro level, as well as um, um, uh, of the strategies of Chinese companies in, in, in Europe. Um, but I'm going to focus more on, on, on part one, if I may say, because uh, I think, first of all, it's more uh, uh, related to the series. Um, uh, and also, uh, you know, I'm, I'm quite happy to answer any questions on, on, on management aspects and, and you know, and, and, and the, uh, what Chinese um, uh, companies are doing in Europe um, uh, precisely. Um, so the first question, um, I, I, you know, people ask me, and in fact, uh, uh, our, uh, our host uh, uh, has been um, asking me the same question earlier, is why, uh, why offensive? Why use uh, uh, such a military uh, term? And, uh, you know, isn't it unfair to the, uh, to, to the, to the Chinese? Now, obviously, uh, we are talking about a country uh, which is now uh, uh, rather, uh, I mean, powerful in almost every, every part of the world. Um, and um, it, it's just a way to express assertiveness, I suppose. And um, there's actually one figure that came out today uh, uh, from the, the, the Chinese themselves. Uh, Pew Research has, you know, they, they, they have wonderful surveys on, on, uh, um, on uh, uh, what people think about, about countries in particular. And uh, they, they came out with this, um, with this survey, in fact, uh, today. And uh, one of the figures uh, uh, released is 75% uh, um, um, of, the, of the Chinese think that their country is playing a more important role in world affairs, uh, actually more important than 10 years ago. Um, so uh, it's actually not just me saying that China uh, is, is, is offensive. It's, it's, uh, uh, you know, it's, it, it's become a, a sort of a, a worldwide uh, um, uh, knowledge. Um, uh, ten, Fifteen years ago, China was, was a medium-sized power, and today it is a, a, a world power. And in, in the case of Europe, as, as we will see, 
it, it has a, a presence now, which is mainly economic, but also in the in the in the field of soft power, and and and, and somewhat uh, 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 political. So what I'm going to do, I'm going to look at um, uh, a number of of, of uh, issues uh, in the next 30 minutes uh, to describe China's relations with Europe, um, how it has grown over the past uh, uh, 15 years in, in particular, and how it is significant to, to the United States and to the rest uh, of the world, which is basically the topic of my uh, upcoming uh, paper, which you will easily find on the Brookings uh, website. Um, so, you know, the problem with Europe, you're talking about the European Union as well as the 28 nations that are members of the European Union. <coughs> but uh, if you take the EU as a whole, as, a, as, a, as an economic entity, uh, it is, uh, I mean, uh, China's uh, first or second uh, economic uh, uh, partner. Um, and um, trade is growing. Um, EU imports from China uh, are you know, as, as massive as they are here, um, and uh, in, in many ways uh, uh, it has been mainly a trade topic, I mean the, the Sino-European relation has been mainly about trade. Um, as you can see, the, 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 the trade flow, uh, I mean obviously the deficit is in, in um, um, China's favor. But um, it is actually, uh, it depends country by country. You have you would come up with different figures. Um, there are, you know, a number of uh, EU concerns, obviously, uh, from the uh, Brussels institution's point of view. Um, first of all, uh, you, would, you would hear very frequently about the, the, the access to the Chinese market and the and the fact that uh, you know the, uh, the reciprocity doesn't always uh, uh, doesn't work uh, as well as it was, and obviously uh, um, the, uh, the the Chinese rise in economic uh, terms uh, is not uh, always uh, uh, well taken in Europe. I mean, you know, it's old Europe after all; it's the old continent. So, I mean, any newcomer would be uh, received with a certain degree of uh, suspicion, but. Um, one problem, of course, is the, the, the third point about the state-owned enterprises uh, who, who have been getting uh, uh, state subsidies. And in fact, there's one figure which uh, we will find in the book. 70% of Chinese investments in Europe are actually uh, from the state sector. Um, the reason is, of course, uh, the Chinese sovereign funds as well as the state banks that are actually supporting um, many Chinese companies, whether they are uh, yeah, state companies or government-backed companies, and occasionally private companies as well. But the system is not as transparent as it would be in, in, in many uh, uh, other parts of the world. Um, looking at uh, um, um, foreign direct investments, um, as you can see, uh, um, it's it's. Um, it's now about 23 uh, billion uh, US dollars um, in 2015. Um, we'll, we'll go into details and I'll sort of look at several countries individually so that you get the big, the big picture as well as some individual uh, uh, stories. 
Um, but you know, it's pretty much everywhere, really. Uh, and the, the three largest uh, European economies, Germany, uh, France, and the UK, are, of course, uh, prime targets. But also Italy, uh, and Greece, and Portugal, two, two, uh, two or three countries I will also uh, um, address. And the book sort of uh, doesn't cover every uh, member of the EU, but certainly the, the countries which I'm going to uh, talk about today. Um, as well as, um, you know, we look at the sectors as well. So, you know, heavy industries, uh, real estate, of course, uh, uh, and, and, and some other sectors. Uh, I will, uh, I will uh, uh, talk about later. So, it, you know, it basically started in, in, in 2008 with the, the Euro debt crisis. Uh, of course, there were a few uh, Chinese uh, uh, trade offices as well as uh, uh, partnerships. Uh, um, uh, it, it started very, very slowly in the, in, the, in the beginning of the year 2000s. But the 2008 debt crisis, which was a bit of a shock really in the aftermath of the, the Lehman Brothers, uh, we're here in New York, so I have to be careful not to criticize the financial sector. Oh, uh, although, although it seems to be uh, well accepted now. Um, anyway, I mean, Europe was one of the victims, uh, and uh, I guess the United States as well. Uh, so China, basically, uh, Prime Minister Wen Jiabao actually uh, uh, got in touch with uh, um, uh, the President of the European Commission. To his surprise, he told me the story and said, well, you know, Premier Li, uh, Premier Wen just called me, and, and he said, well, you know, I'm, I'm happy to help, and we are, uh, through our sovereign funds, we're happy to, uh, to provide some funding for some of the countries that have suffered mostly from the from the, the debt crisis and of course one of the countries uh, is Greece uh, a country that's been in the news uh, uh, very often uh, for, for some sad reasons uh, but mainly because of you know, the poor management of the Greek government um, so we, which explains why Greece which is only one percent of, of, of Europe's GDP is is now one of the main uh, recipients of, of Chinese uh, uh, foreign uh, direct investments. I have to point out also that uh, um, uh, China's uh, presence in, 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 in Europe is part of a more global policy, uh, the going out policy, George uh, Chu, which is the sort of going out policy of the Chinese, which was launched by uh, by uh, Zhu Rongji and, and uh, Jiang Zemin in the early 90s. And of course, it was basically about let's Let's get out of China and, and, and you know let's let's have our, our, our state-owned enterprises uh, uh, going abroad as well as as, as our, our private companies. So um, I'm 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 going to talk about uh, one belt one road at the end of this presentation, but uh, just a, a quick look at, at the, the, the the prime recipients of this Chinese FDI. Uh, the, the United Kingdom, which are, of course is a very interesting case with the, the recent referendum on the, on the EU, Italy, France, Germany, Portugal, and the others are, are not that significant. But uh, we'll, we'll, we'll come to this uh, in a moment. Um, it's, it's increasing uh, vastly for, for the past few years. Um, um, you know, it went from uh, 17 billion to, to 23 billion between uh, you know 2014 and 2015. 
Um, it's, it's a mixture of M&A as well as uh, greenfield investments, but it's more about M&A and, 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 and those sort of government-supported projects. But, important point, uh, the cumulative uh, overseas uh, foreign direct investment from China is only about 4% of the total. So, so that makes the point to my, my uh, critics who say that it's not an offensive yes. Uh, but the Chinese take their time and they are, they are sort of building positions, and particularly in some of the weaker spots perhaps of, of, of Europe. And Europe has many economic problems. So it does make sense for China, uh, which is one of the, the few uh, cash-rich uh, uh, countries in, in today's world to, to, to play a role in, in, in the EU. Uh, a very quick look at some of the deals. I mean, there have been more since. I mean, uh, Pirelli is this famous uh, tire manufacturer. But in fact, ChemChina, uh, which is one of the most aggressive uh, uh, Chinese investors, has also bought uh, Syngenta, this huge you know, uh, agribusiness uh, company, which is based not in the EU, but in uh, Switzerland. And, and it's been approved by the uh, US uh, regulatory authority. So it looks like it's going to go ahead. And we're talking about over $30 billion. So then, you know, it's becoming quite significant. Just like the United States, uh, uh, um, the EU has been trying to, to uh, talk to the Chinese about a bilateral investment treaty, which is called a, a comprehensive agreement on investment. Um, and it was announced, the talks, the, the start of the talks uh, was announced uh, uh, in November uh, 2014. Um, but it hasn't really, uh, it, it's, it's really far from being completed. I'll, back to that in a moment. And it, it's just part of a big picture, really, is of, of China talking to Europe. In many ways, in 2004, China thought you know, Europe was going to become the United States of Europe. Uh, but, you know, that, you know with the, the enlargement, 12 new countries joining the EU, um, a, a, a union of 28 members, that was a partner that China would be able to talk to. Uh, uh, of significant uh, political and economic dimension. Now, of course, the, the, we, know, we all know that the story is, is actually a, a sad one, uh, with uh, uh, not just, uh, I mean, Greece, uh, which almost left the EU uh, uh, last year, but also the United Kingdom, one of the top uh, you know, economies in, in, in the EU, which has now uh, decided through a referendum to leave the Union, and will probably do so in the next two years. So that, that will actually bring an interesting uh, um, uh, thinking into the, the, the Sino-European uh, relationship. So very quickly, I'll go through uh, a few countries. Now, Germany, of course, is the largest European economy. Uh, it is uh, uh, one of the prime recipients of, of Chinese investment. It is a priority also in the sense that Chancellor Merkel is really very much seen as the leader of Europe by the Chinese leadership. And it's, you know, uh, Germany is the economic powerhouse. It has brands, technology, high tech, um, um, you know, a, a strong uh, economic power as well as a sort of revived uh, political power in Europe due to the, the sort of uh, uh, problems uh, taking place in France uh, and, 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 and somewhat in the UK, especially uh, the UK, uh, which is not going to, to leave 
Um, Chancellor Merkel, of course, has been in power for almost 12 years, and uh, she's been going to China every year. And, and she's a rather outspoken leader. Um, um, so she does speak about a number of things which do not necessarily please the Chinese government. Uh, she does it in a rather discreet way, unlike the German federal president who was in China last year, and uh, I think it's Fudan or, or, or Tongji uh, University in Shanghai, I'm not, I'm not sure which one. He actually made a, a, a speech uh, quite, you know, uh, which didn't, Please, uh, the leadership. But anyway, they say, well, it's only the president, you know, the, the power is actually in the hands of the chancellors, and that's fine. Um, France is an interesting case as well, in the sense that uh, it was the first European, in fact, Western country to recognize uh, the, the, the PRC in 1964. It was a sort of Gaullist gesture, you could say. And, and it helped uh, a number of uh, uh, French uh, state-owned companies, so there are similarities there, to, to um, uh, moving to the Chinese market, particularly in the, in the uh, nuclear energy and, and you know, engineering uh, fields. Um, but, but of course, uh, these days, uh, we are talking of, you know, about China that is, uh, has the capabilities to, to, to build pretty much everything by itself, including high-speed train and, and um, not quite nuclear plants, but although a couple of them have been built by China without, uh, without foreign interference. So the problem now, of course, for France is the, the fact, uh, um, that of course, there's a trade deficit uh, much bigger than, than with Germany. I mean, Germany is about, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a slight surplus in, uh, for, for Germany. In France, it's, it's, a, it's a deficit. And um, so the problem is how, how can France really uh, stand out? Africa, Africa, France's role in Africa, and, and uh, there are still a number of, of, of fields where France uh, stand out, um, and not just culture, but also some of the uh, know-how. Um, third, the UK. Um, now, obviously, uh, I'm afraid to say there's not much of an industry left in the UK, but, but London is, is the, the world's top financial center. Um, and, not surprising that uh, when uh, President Xi went to London last October, uh, he uh, he announced uh, that London was going to become uh, um, uh, the first international platform for the RMB, um, and that it's been hosting a number of uh, events, and, and all the Chinese banks have a branch in London, and and um, and then there've been a number. Of, I mean, you've you've seen the figures earlier. I mean, uh, uh, the UK is top uh, recipient of FDI. Um, and, and of course, uh, the, the Prime Minister Cameron and, and his finance minister, George Osborne, uh, all gone now, uh, were uh, instrumental in driving this, this Sino-British partnership. Um, Chancellor Osborne went all the way to Xinjiang and, and declared, you know, uh, uh, Britain was going to to become the, the top destination for uh, one that one road, and that you know there was going to be a golden era and, and, and all kinds of things, and 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 one one aspect of this was the launch of the AIB, the Asian Infrastructure Investment Bank, uh, just about a year ago, where of course London was the the first uh, European country to uh, to become a founding member 
of the AIB uh, to the chagrin of Washington, and, and especially someone I won't name in the White House, uh, who accused London of constant accommodation towards uh, uh, China. Um, all this sadly uh, ended up uh, in, I wouldn't say in disarray, but at least uh, in question after the referendum uh, uh, last June with a, a new prime minister who is a former home secretary, which, which means she was in charge of uh, you know, uh, police and, and you know, security, uh, who doesn't seem to have the same opinions that, 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 you know, than uh, her predecessor. And on top of, of this, of course, uh, China, which is a very pragmatic, uh, opportunistic country, uh, uh, rightly so, um, uh, wanted to use the UK as a, as a um, stepping stone for the rest of, of, of Europe, and you know, use, use London, use Britain uh, as, a, as a point of access to the wider uh, European consumer market. At the end of the day, the story of Europe and China is a lot about selling Chinese products to Europe. One Belt One Road, uh, I mean, uh, even though it's, it's, it's mainly about infrastructures and you know, investments, uh, the final uh, objective is, is more about selling uh, Chinese products. Uh, we all know that there's a, an issue with overcapacity uh, for coal, uh, steel, and other um, types of products, uh, and, and the fact that China needs uh, markets to, to, to have its economy, I mean, uh, growing, continuing to grow. Um, sorry. Anyway, I, I, I've covered this, but perhaps the, the, the most important uh, uh, fact is to, is to, to note, uh, Theresa May uh, did interrupt the, the negotiations over the Hinkley Point deal. Hinkley Point is this nuclear plant, which is partly financed by, by China through the, 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 the state-owned Chinese nuclear corporation. Um, and I asked for time before finally uh, making a decision. And, uh, but what we don't know is, will there be other nuclear plants after? Uh, and uh, we don't hear too much about the northern powerhouse anymore, which is the, the north of England, uh, this region which the, 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 the previous British government was hoping um, China will help to build, free of charge. Well, that's not the Chinese way. Greece, uh, very briefly, uh, very interesting. Uh, the, the, the harbor of Piraeus, very old harbor, I mean, very old Greece as well. Uh, um, was um, um, was on sale, or, or at least had a, a concession to offer. And Costco, which is, uh, I guess, the world's largest shipping company, and, and of course a famous uh, Chinese state-owned enterprise, uh, managed to to um, uh, acquire a concession for two terminals out of six, and uh, and it, it worked pretty well. I mean, I, I take this as a very successful case of a, of a, of a well-managed uh, non-Chinese entity run by a Chinese state-owned enterprise. And they've taken great care of this. And Costco is actually one of the most uh, international-minded um, state-owned enterprises. Many of them actually, you know, have a hard time. And there are many, we, we have many cases in this book uh, about, about projects that, that failed for you know, problems of, of 
you know, miscommunication, really. It's all about miscommunication, usually. Um, but anyway, Greece is, of course, a very interesting uh, dimension, part of the One Belt, One Road, uh, the, the New Silk Road, the Maritime Silk Road uh, initiative. And, and, and in April uh, of this year, uh, Costco was given the full management of Piraeus after same story as, as Hinckley Point and, and Prime Minister May. Uh, Syriza, the, the government, uh, uh, the, the newly elected government of Greece, a left-wing government elected in, in January 2015, uh, decided to halt the, the, the privatization of the harbor. Uh, one reason, of course, uh, the government of uh, uh, I mean, Syriza was uh, elected with the help of the Greek unions, and they didn't want to have uh, uh, Chinese bosses, uh, you know, bossing them around, and they wanted to have uh, to keep their rights, their advantage as, as as Greek workers. So it took another year of negotiations, and I think you know the price that was actually paid by Costco uh, was higher than the market price, and and also it's a relatively successful case, as I said earlier. Um, um, of, 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 a, of a Chinese run uh, project, Pires Harbor. Um, one word on Portugal, uh, another country that badly needs cash and, and that has been <coughs> selling some of its uh, infrastructures and utilities to Chinese companies. I mean, English state owned, but there's also Fosun Group from Shanghai. But the Three Gorges Corporation has now 21% of the electricity company in Portugal. It's not insignificant. Um, there's a story about golden visas that have been acquired by uh, some Chinese investors, including in real estate. That's creating a bit of a debate, you know, in some of these uh, southern European countries, whether you know, uh, a real estate investor should be acquiring a visa you know, when you invest uh, uh, one million dollar. Um, I have to say, having spoken to Portuguese officials, some of them are having second thoughts about selling their infrastructures to China. It's creating a debate. I mean, you know, these are democratically elected governments and people having debates. That's, that's what democracy is about. And the media and, and the political elites. And, and, and um, um, just like uh, when uh, President Xi visited London, I don't think this was particularly well handled by, by the British side, by the way. Uh, the, the British elite started debating about, 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 about having more or less uh, Chinese Central and Eastern Europe is a very special case, and of course I'm not going to go through the 28 uh, European nations, uh, but obviously uh, there's something called the 16 plus 1 mechanism, which was set up by uh, both China and, and the 16 countries, which some of them are members of the EU, some are not, like Serbia. And uh, it, it's basically about, uh, it's a talking shop, really, that meets once a year, uh, usually in Europe, but, but the last time was in Suzhou in China. And, uh, you know, basically the European, uh, the Eastern European leaders have been saying, look, we don't, we don't get a, an opportunity to speak to the Chinese uh, president or the Chinese prime minister, not like the, the German chancellor or, 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 or the French president. So the problem is, of course, um, uh, you know, China wanted to have one also in, with Southern Europe, Nordic countries, and you know, so I, you know, occasionally I sit in conferences, and, and, and some of the uh, my, my Chinese colleagues sort of uh, try me on this and say, well, you know, what about doing one with Europe, with Southern Europe? I say, well, you know, there's something called the European Union that actually works quite well, even though it's so heavily criticised. Um, so perhaps it might not be a good idea to 
to split the, the EU even more. Um, I'm going to go through this very quickly because it's, uh, it's, it's a very long presentation now, and I'm, 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 I'm conscious of the time, but, but there are basically 60, 60 dialogues, yearly dialogues between China and the EU, it, 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 you know, about climate, about uh, energy, uh, about uh, education, science. Uh, it's actually a very deep relationship, and the EU does play a role uh, as a unifying entity, which, you know, obviously every independent Every individual country, uh, at the end of the day, is mainly interested in, in, in its own uh, in its own uh, affairs. Um, now, on security, of course, you can imagine uh, that is not the, the most uh, favorite subject of, of the Chinese government, especially when it comes to the South China Sea. The Chinese government is probably you know, asking why on earth is Europe interested in the South China Sea? Uh, well, the, the, there's one uh, uh, element of that. It's called uh, a rules-based international order, and the fact that, that there's an international law and a maritime law, and that it should be respected, and of course the South China Sea is an area where where uh, most shipping companies have to go through, and where a lot of trade is being conducted. So you know there is an interest for European uh, countries as well as, of course, the United States and others. Even though the European military presence is extremely um, uh, limited. Um, so there have been a number of statements uh, from, from Brussels, mainly from Brussels, interestingly. Uh, that's where I think the European concept is, is, is somewhat working better than in other fields, like the economic fields, where people are basically competing for a share of the Chinese market or of the share of, of Chinese investments. Um, that's basically what's going on these days. Um, so... Um, um, the South China Sea is, is, is becoming a bit of an issue, uh, especially the, the uh, you know, the, the, the International uh, Arbitrary Court is, of course, based in, 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 in the Netherlands, but, and, and, and most of the judges were, were European, but they were independent judges, so. Um, right, I'm, I'm reaching the, 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 the end of, the, of, of this presentation, but I, I wanted to, uh, perhaps uh, as a conclusion to, to, to show you uh, this map. I'm sorry, it's, it's not very uh, clear, but <laughs> I'm sure you, uh, you, you can see uh, what, what I'm talking about. Uh, I mean, Obor is still a, a fairly uh, vague concept, but clearly uh, it doesn't include the United States. Uh, that's, uh, you can see that. Uh, Africa is a fairly... Um, uh, interesting place uh, that will, of course, be part of the maritime Silk Road. But the most sophisticated part, at least on, on this map, which is produced by a, a German uh, uh, um, uh, institute on, on Chinese affairs, is, is um, uh, you know, um, Central Asia, uh, the, the Caucasus, um, and, and, and Eastern Europe. Um, now, we don't know what the final destination of Obo will be. But uh, one thing for sure is that Europe, with a 500 million uh, consumer market, is highly interesting to, to, to China. Um, and the Chinese economy, as we know, has been slowing down. Um, and, um, and it needs to find uh, other venues. And, and, and China these days has you know, uh, very impressive uh, multinationals that, that want to, to become even, even more global. 
Um, perhaps I should say a few words about transatlantic relations on, on, on China, because that's what my, 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 my next uh, uh, paper is about. But um, the, the question is, uh, um, um, can, can Europe detach, um, can China detach uh, Europe from its uh, uh, economic and, 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 uh, and the political uh, relationship with the United States? I think it's, 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 it's a critical issue that we're asking in, 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 in our next uh, uh, paper, because at the end of the day, Europeans are committed to a rules-based international uh, order, as we saw for the, for the South China Sea and for the, the low on non-governmental organizations, and so on and so forth. Um, so of course, uh, uh, you know, if you look, if you take country by country, I mean, uh, that it's sometimes a bit disorganized, as you could see from for the AIB, and the fact that Prime Minister Cameron took the initiative to, to uh, sign in for AIB uh, without talking to his colleagues. That's slightly messy, but, you know, that's... Uh, uh, that's Cameron. Uh, he's gone now, as I said. Um, and um, I, I, my, my own feeling is that there is actually a better coordination now. Um, and, and certainly, um, the, the recent wave of, of Chinese FDI has led a number of uh, European uh, governments uh, to, to think uh, that perhaps uh, they have to be careful about certain Chinese investments. Utilities and uh, there is a security dimension. Of course, data is, is one of the data is one of the main factors. But you know, having nuclear plants or, or uh, uh, high-speed train networks run by, by by Chinese companies might be something to to, to consider when you're looking for uh, uh, investors. One aspect uh, talking about the Germany, uh, I was referring to Pew Research uh, earlier. Um, Germany um, uh, is, is China's strongest economic partner, and possibly strongest uh, European partner as a whole. It, it's also the, the, the least favorable country to China, if you look at Pew. Um, and it's 28%. Uh, um, I mean, some countries have over 50% of favorable uh, uh, opinions on, on, on China. And, and the main reason is, is, is about human rights, perhaps the NGO law, about uh, um, Different aspects, but I, in the recent, in the most recent uh, uh, survey, the one I was talking about earlier, uh, that just came out today. In fact, it's the economic dimension that is now uh, worrying a number of Germans. Um, so, of course, we haven't spoken too much about soft power, but I know Jan wants to ask me about this. Uh, and of course, in addition to this, China has been investing a lot in soft power. In, in, in culture, in the media, uh, it, it's not just economic. I mean, there's, you know, uh, now of course, the military dimension in Europe is not obvious. Um, in the One Belt One Road Initiative, I, I can uh, I can uh, um, promise you that there will be a security dimension because there's no way a country is going to invest billions of dollars without having security mechanisms. I can can promise you this, uh, but. In Europe, of course, it's more about political links, it's about influence, including in Brussels, uh, towards the European Union institutions, and it's a lot about, about you know, um, soft power and, and um, influencing, which doesn't always work. If you look at the European Parliament uh, uh, 
vote on, on a market economy status, which uh, overwhelmingly rejected the decision to, 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 um, to give China a market economy status, even though you know, it's, it's part of the WTO rule, but some compromise will, 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 be, uh, will be found. Um, my, my advice, of course, if I may, uh, is to have a better coordination between the US and Europe uh, on China. Um, that would prevent perhaps a, an AIB type fiasco to happen again. Um, and, and there are many issues where we can, we can coordinate. And one of them, of course, being uh, uh, investment. There's an organization called the CFUS, the, uh, the Committee on Foreign Investment in the United States, which we don't have in Europe. Um, and last but not least, um, uh, Court Campbell was one of your guests, and he's written a, a very good book on, on, on the Asian uh, pivot. Um, um, I mean, I, I like pulling his leg and asking him about, uh, about the European pivot. And he said, well, you know, I've been writing in my book that uh, the, the pivot wasn't against Europeans, it was with the Europeans. So we'll see what happens if, if Mr. Campbell uh, becomes uh, a, a senior official in a few weeks. Thanks very much. Thank you. I was just sort of meeting this afternoon where Mr. Campbell reiterated that very question. He says it's unthinkable that anyone would think that the pivot is a pivot away from Europe because every major thing the United States has done in terms of international issues has been with our, he didn't say brothers, but our, our um, longtime friends um, in Europe. Um, so let me open up for questions. We don't have a lot of time. I have a lot of questions, but we'll let you guys go first. So Bill, why don't you start? Please introduce yourselves sure. and uh, wait for the microphone so that we can get you on camera. I'm uh, Bill Armbruster, retired journalist. Uh, great presentation, lots of questions. What, have, what has been the reaction in China to Brexit, both by the government and the media, the think tanks? Well, you know, it's very unusual for the Chinese president to um, to go to a country and to say uh, a few a few months before a general election or a, a referendum, a very critical referendum, to say, well, I would prefer a stronger uh, UK within a stronger Europe or a strong UK within a strong. Uh, he's not the only president who's done that, uh, who actually, uh, <laughs> sadly, uh, um, um, sorry, I don't know why there too many microphones. Um, anyway, so I think, you know, th 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 there was some disappointments, really, because, in fact, very, very few people had uh, imagined that the British people would uh, reject uh, the, uh, the offer, which is to to remain uh, in the EU, and um, so of course there have been a number of commentaries in the Chinese press uh, saying that the UK is a declining nation and that will, it will, uh, in any case, uh, uh, lose out by making this decision. That uh, referenda are kind of you know irrelevant, and why on, why on earth do countries organize a referenda? Um, overall, of course, uh, things will work out uh, eventually. Um, um, I personally think that the UK uh, will lose out from not being a member of the EU as, as, as a country because it will have to uh, you know, 
we organize its, its trade policy as well as its investment policy as well as its diplomacy, pretty much everything really uh, in the next uh, uh, few years. Um, I'm going to be looking very closely at this uh, Sino-British relationship, which is quite fascinating because at the end of the day, uh, there will be uh, an independent country, so to speak, uh, in Europe, uh, a pretty sophisticated country, but with with very little industry left, um, and, and with a 65 million consumer market, which is quite different from a 500 million consumer market. And, and, and China will be looking for opportunities. And in fact, there have been a number of acquisitions in, in the property sector for the past uh, few months, which is not surprising. London is a booming market. Uh, as far as investing for you know on, in these areas, in Northern England, in Wales, where, where uh, Britain actually needs uh, uh, financial help. I'm not so sure for the reasons that you know, China will only invest in places where there'll be return on investment, which doesn't really make sense. In that context, I had uh, read in an article that came out just before the Brexit vote that said that the Chinese really look to the UK to be its bridge to the EU. And so in light of Brexit, who are the Chinese now turning to to be, or don't they need that anymore? Are they perfectly capable? As you said, it's interesting, because that was one of the questions I was going to ask you, you touched on it in your talk. It, do they, it sounds like they prefer to do, or at least the European countries prefer to have bilateral negotiations when it comes to economics, but on security or maybe social issues, it's the EU, EU that takes over. Exactly. And it, it, it's very interesting. In fact, the past few months uh, have shown a, a kind of change of mood in Europe. Um, and um, it used to be the case where every you know, individual country, uh, and I think the AIB was kind of a turning point, as well as the, the state visit to the, to, to the UK, um, where, where China was sort of doing it naturally as a very uh, down-to-earth uh, power dealing individually with, with uh, entities. Uh, and, and the UK was very much willing to do that, um, trying to play its cards. And you know, uh, certainly uh, Cameron and Osborne uh, made very clear that uh, they wanted to be China's best Western friend. Um, now, the problem in democracies, uh, leaders change. And, uh, and uh, as I said, Prime Minister Theresa May is a, is a very different politician. Uh, perhaps not so much experience in economics, but experience in security. <laughs> she was the Home Secretary for six years. And um, so her, her attitude, now of course, her decision to hold the, uh, uh, the, the Hinkley Point project was not well taken at all in China, as you can imagine. Uh, it was criticized in the Chinese media, and people you know, started wondering what, what, what is going on, and, and you know, and so I mean, this plus the the fact that the British uh, decided to, to to vote Brexit uh, didn't really help Britain's case uh, in China. So to answer your question, Jan, uh, I think Germany is really obvious. Uh, uh, point of contact, uh, as Germany is undoubtedly the most, uh, the strongest economic country in Europe, um, and um, you know, has a certain uh, aura in, in, in China through its its brand, its you know, 
Siemens, uh, BMW, Mercedes. These brands, you know, are, are, are really fascinating to, 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 to the Chinese. And it's, it's, you know, this culture of engineers uh, is actually more impressive to the Chinese than the culture of, I'm sorry, I'm in New York again, but of, 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 of fa financial people. Uh, of bankers, even though you know bankers can be useful as well, especially when you need uh, to, to to make your currency more international and when you're part of the international basket of currencies. So yeah, I mean it's uh, it's it's going to be a mixture of Germany, perhaps France on certain aspects. France is a permanent member of the of the UN Security Council. It does have a presence in Africa. It does have a stronger military than Germany. Uh, and I would say the EU as a whole will, will remain also a partner uh, on a number of sectors. But of course, the EU, you can, you can argue that Germany is you know, perhaps the, the driver uh, you know, in, in, in the EU. Philippe, thank you very much for your, for your talk. It was a very interesting presentation as well. Um, I have about six questions. Oh, I'm Graham Majorhart. I work at American Express in corporate strategy. But you can only ask one of your I'm all, Exactly. I was just going to say, I'm only going to ask one, despite all the stars on my paper. Um, I want to ask you, what, what framework should we use to understand uh, the interaction of SOEs and private companies? You had a, a graph up there that said 69% of the value is coming from SOEs and, and the rest from private companies. But as we all know, private companies in China aren't really private when you look at a company like Huawei. So how should we go about understanding that? Well, I mean, it's very clear. I mean, the, 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 the China has a, has a very clear definition of a state-owned enterprise versus a private company. Uh, the problem is, uh, uh, we know that Costco is a, is a state-owned enterprise. We know that the, uh, the president of Costco is basically a Chinese official, probably a, a party member. Uh, there's no secret about this. It's uh, it's part of the of the of the Chinese uh, uh, techno structure um, and. Um, and, and basically, Europe is an interesting case versus the United States. Because in, in the US, it's the other way around. It's 70% it's private, 30% uh, 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 state-owned. The, the, the interesting uh, points in your, in your question is about funding, financing. Now, uh, where, where uh, uh, Brussels, the European Commission, has been critical of China is uh, on the... On the uh, uh, the sort of state aid that's been taking place with companies like like uh, Huawei, ZTE, and others in, in M&A operations. And uh, just a few months ago in this country, we had the Anbong uh, story, where eventually uh, Anbong uh, wasn't allowed to, to bid for the, the or, or, or decided to, to step aside uh, the, the Starwoods uh, hotel group. But the reason, really, there was a lack of transparency that 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 led a number of uh, of uh, um, players in this game to say, "Look, uh, we don't know, you know what is Anbong, and uh, we know we, we can't really do business with with a group that doesn't have a, a, a you know a clear books and, and 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 clear financing. Who is behind Anbong? So there's been a few few cases. I mean, Huawei is perhaps more. Uh, clearly identified, even though it's not a listed company, so that's part of the problem. Uh, when you have listed companies, of course, the, the accounts, all this, and, and the, the legal aspects are, are, are more clearly identified in the West. Uh, but I don't believe Huawei will ever be listed, uh, uh, nor would uh, many uh, uh, private companies. 
Uh, by the way, Huawei is not an investor. I mean, they, they, they keep saying they're investing in, in, in Europe, but they are basically selling, and they are not really investing. But they, they say they're opening R&D centers and things like that. But it's not what I call an investment, acquiring a company or, you know, or really uh, employing Europeans, which is what, what people need. I mean, at the end of the day, I should have said that uh, in, in a clearer way, perhaps, is that you know, Europe, has, just like many parts of the world, needs, needs uh, job creation. And uh, what China could help is, is helping to, 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 to grow, grow the European economy or grow the American economy. And that would, you know, in a way, lead to, to a, a, a closer partnership. Uh, now, you could argue that, of course, uh, the Westerners benefited a lot from, from the Chinese market in the 70s, 80s, 90s. And it's time for the Chinese to, to um, you know, uh, benefit from this uh, famous globalization which we all uh, uh, despise. Um, uh, but, um, yeah, I mean, it's so, it, the problem is that that's why all, all these discussions about bilateral investment treaties, uh, uh, free trade agreements uh, are, are very critical at the moment. And we are at the stage where, in fact, that's why I was saying more coordination is necessary. Uh, uh, and, and also more coordination with China. No need to, to uh, no doubt about that. Question over here. Uh, Gu Weijun. Uh, uh, I would like to ask you to comment on the likelihood uh, of a, uh, some kind of a free trade zone between uh, the EU and China in the next 10 years. Uh, now, uh, Switzerland has signed such a deal with China, and uh, the former British Prime Minister, who has now left, uh, once uh, publicly advocated that uh, the EU should uh, accelerate the pace in negotiating with uh, China in setting up such a mechanism. And uh, what uh, will be the likely impact? Now Britain is out of Europe uh, of uh, a faster uh, movement on that front. And uh, what are the forces in favor of uh, uh, driving these two blocks in that direction? And what are the forces against that, uh, uh, that eventuality, in your view? A very short answer to that, so we can get two more questions. Um, I, I think we're not there yet. Uh, the EU has established a, a free trade agreement with the Republic of Korea. Uh, I know China has been pushing very hard on this. Um, I, I don't believe the, the, the moment uh, is right. And, and for, for the reason that, uh, for example, the, the market economy status situation has shown there are, there are a, a lot of uh, um, weariness about, about jobs. And we're talking about 200,000 uh, industrial jobs at stake in Europe. Should there be, you know, this market economy status mainly on the steel industry and, and you know, heavy industry uh, uh, dimensions? But um, uh, I think China needs to be more integrated in the European economy uh, to to stop. Uh, and also, there's the, the problem of the market access in, in, in China, which has become. If you look at the, if you read reports from the European Chamber of Commerce or, or the American Chamber of Commerce, both of them say the same thing that it's becoming more difficult to, to do business in China, um, because, because the Chinese are just, you know, they've become very good. They, 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 they you know, they can do everything really, and they, they feel they should have their, their, their local champions. Now the problem is, of course, uh, you can't have it both ways. I mean, so you. 
you either you open your market or, or you you know or you don't have access to the to the to the others markets. Do you still have a question? Yeah, yeah. Yes, tell me. Hi Philip. Uh, it's a great presentation, thank you. Uh, my name is Fei, I come from ICPC, so Industrial and Commercial Bank of China. Um, so certainly your touch base about Brexit. Uh, in my view, um, the EU economic development is still cloudy, you know, with inflow of refugees and also the, the Brussels monetary policy. And you also mentioned a lot about all the security parameters, you know, EUs have concern. Uh, maybe a forward-looking basis, you know, how you think the China FDI will go in the EU zone, particularly for maybe any sector, maybe a critical mass in certain industries. Well, I mean, I'm sure it will continue to grow, uh, no doubt about this. Um, the, the, the problem is, uh, once again, is it going to be about M&A um, acquisitions of, 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 um, um, of European brands? Is it going to be about job creation? Is it going to be about bringing, bringing growth and, and, uh, and um, including uh, job, job growth in, 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 uh, in, in Europe? Uh, one very important aspect, which I, I didn't have time to to uh, uh, comment on, is the fact some of the acquisitions by Chinese uh, companies in Germany, in particular, uh, have, 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 and and it, and Italy as well, um, have helped the European brands to to sell their products in the Chinese market. So, for example, there's a company called Sani in in, in Germany uh, who acquired. Putzmeister. And Putzmeister has, has been sort of relaunched in, in the Chinese market, where of course it was struggling. And you've, you've got an, uh, another example, of course, is Volvo, the Swedish car manufacturers, which was pretty much dying. Uh, and, and that has been helped by, by its Chinese owner called Geely, which is a car manufacturer from uh, the eastern coast of China. Uh, and, and which is doing quite a good job because I mean the Chinese market, you know, of course, is big, one of the biggest automobile um, markets. But it's um, uh, it's also a very c competitive market. So for Volvo to to have this Chinese uh, owner is actually has been a fairly positive story. Um, so um, I, I mean I, I you know I don't have a crystal ball, but my my feeling is that with all the plans underway, especially with this and. Um, Eastern Europe is somewhere to look at, as well as Southern Europe. Not so sure about sort of good old Europe, so to speak. Uh, <laughs> France, Germany, uh, um, Scandinavia, the Netherlands, these places, I mean, might be slightly more reluctant. But you know, once again, things change, <laughs> governments change. Um, there, there's going to be more coordination, and, and also more coordination with the United States. Thanks. OK, one last question. Frank, a short one, please. Frank Hale. Um, China is going to do foreign direct investment in the United States and in Europe. Uh, last summer, uh, or actually last winter, uh, Philips, the Dutch firm, was going to sell its Lumileds division to a Chinese uh, entity. Um, even though neither country was based in the United States, CFIUS, the Committee on Foreign Investment in the United States, quashed the deal, and um, Phillips has decided to uh, 
go another route. So the question is, how a how do uh, Europeans feel about this kind of intervention on the part of the United States, interfering in their deals, and second, will China attempt to circumvent the United States's increasingly security-oriented investment policy vis-a-vis -vis China uh, by dealing more with the Europeans? Well, the case is in the book, uh, first of all, the one you mentioned, the Phillips case. Um, and it is a problem, but it's not, it's not just related to China. I mean, uh, 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 American uh, regulatory authorities do intervene on a number of uh, international cases. Uh, which have nothing to do with the United States, just because these multinationals happen to have activities in the United States. Um, interestingly, another case uh, I was referring to, uh, Syngenta, has been cleared by, uh, by the US side. And you know, it, it is a very, very significant deal, because Syngenta is basically the top, you know, the world's top leader in this, in this activity of, uh, of seeds and, and you know, agro, uh, agro business. Um, so um, I, I, don't, I don't know whether, uh, I mean, obviously China has been talking to the Europeans for many years and, and very often receiving a, a friendly uh, uh, ear um, about this sort of American interventionism and, and the fact that Europeans uh, can actually decide for themselves. Um, but when it comes to markets and, and multinationals, um, unfortunately, there's, there's nothing you can do about, about, about you know, and Philips doesn't want to damage its, 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 its business presence in the United States, I suppose. So, um, but, the, the, you know, there are all kinds of bilateral dialogues between China and Europe that do not go through Washington or New York. <laughs> emphasize this. <laughs> and it's not going to stop. Uh, and, and, and of course, uh, uh, Kurt Campbell, our old friend, uh, he's been, uh, he was kind enough to organize a yearly um, a round table with a, a few Europeans, uh, you know, to talk about uh, uh, what he was doing in the State Department. But that's really not enough. And, and, and so that's, you know, part of the equation is um, how to you know, have a transatlantic dialogue on, 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 on such an important uh, uh, factor as having a, a player like, like, like China in the world today, uh, which is uh, uh, not redrafting the rules, but you know, sometimes uh, when you talk about you know, AIB and, and, and you know, the, 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 the way international financing has been done, and, 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 and uh, you know, code of conduct and things like that. It's going to be an interesting uh, thing to look at. Um, so that's, yeah, that's the answer. Okay, I'm sorry I let this go over a little longer, but we, I thought the last couple questions were really interesting. I'm glad, Philippe, you answered them and that you all stayed to listen. Uh, he is able to sign books if those of you who have bought them would like to come up. and. Thank you all for coming. Again, thank Dorsey and Whitney and Catherine Pond Giordano and her colleagues here at Dorsey for once again providing a lovely home for us. Thank you all for coming and we'll see you again.